everybody. Good to be with you this morning. It's a Monday morning again. Hard to believe we're already at another uh, another day of the week. Another day of the week. Hard to believe we're already at another week. That's what I should be saying. I didn't sleep a lot last night. We're uh, on the verge of having puppies and uh, in our household and it hasn't happened yet, but you got to keep like one eye open, keeping an eye on the dog during the night, Magnolia and uh, so uh, if I'm a little bit tongue-tied this morning, that's why maybe just a little bit foggy, a little bit groggy. Haven't had enough of the this stuff yet to uh, really kind of get me shaken loose. But anyway, we're in the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians, and uh, we're going to jump into it here. Now, the 
one of the primary differences between what we're getting into now and uh, what we were reading in the uh, earlier chapters, chapters one through three, chapters one through three are incredibly doctrinal in nature. Uh, they are incredibly uh, really deal with with foundational truths, uh, theological truths. Uh, and now as we get into this part of uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 4 through 6, uh, those chapters are incredibly um, practical in nature, uh, really how we should relate with one another in the body of Christ. And so very, very practical in nature. And as we get into the reading of this, you're going to see just exactly how practical it is. Uh, it's stuff that we are to live out, stuff that doesn't come so easily sometimes to us, uh, so, uh, things that, that at times we perhaps struggle just a little bit more with. Um, so we're going to jump right in here to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, says, As a prisoner... For the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, uh, verse one has uh, both a, a metaphorical aspect to it as well as a actual historical aspect to it. I mean, Paul would call himself a slave of Christ, doulos, bond servant of Christ. Uh, whether he was behind prison gates or not behind prison gates, whether he was in house arrest or not in house arrest, Paul believed that, that Christ was his master and that he was his slave. Uh, that is the language that gets used in the New Testament. I'm not going to uh, change the language to try to appease a contemporary American culture. It's exactly how Paul saw himself as a slave to the Lord, that Christ is a master and Christ had the prerogative to call the shots in Paul's life. And so when he says a prisoner for the Lord, there is a, a metaphorical aspect. But but even more than that, there's a very historic, uh, practical, historical aspect to this uh, because he was literally a prisoner uh, in house arrest, uh, if I remember correctly, back in Rome, perhaps, or across in Macedonia, minimally, uh, in a prison-type situation, and uh, Paul did much of his teaching in the form of the written word in the last uh, portions of his life, the latter years of his life, because of being under arrest. And so, as he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, there's a little literal historical sense in which he was, in fact, in chains for the Lord, and so, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He's urging. Uh, the word urge, let's, let's put this in the New Living Translation. Uh, the New Living Translation says, uh, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, beg you is the word that's used there, therefore, I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I mean, I think that really does clarify the reality of being called into a salvation life by God. We are called to live a life worthy of that calling. Uh, the NASB uh, says this, uh, therefore I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which with which you have been called. 
God is calling us, and if it's God calling us to live a certain way, we need to walk worthy of that back in the King James. Uh, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Vocation, I, I, I like the uh, injection of the word vocation here. Uh, a lot of times we, we think of career. Career may not be vocation. Uh, vocation has to do with calling. And uh, sometimes our vocation, sometimes sometimes our, and, and we think vocation, career, same. No, really, in, in the uh, uh, origins of the word vocation, it had more to do with calling, to live out your calling, how you are called to live, uh, and perhaps even your, your calling vocationally. For me, my vocation and calling uh, are one and the same. Uh, I, I do what I am called to do, uh, but for you, you may have a career in a different field, or if, let's just say, if I had a career in a different field, uh, I believe, uh, unless I completely disqualified myself, I, I believe I have the calling to teach the Word of God. Uh, I mean, I could work at Athena Health uh, and still be called to teach the Word of God, so career is is means of putting food on the table while vocation is to what is it that you are called? What is your higher purpose in life? Uh, and sometimes the, the higher purpose, the vocation, the career go together. Sometimes the vocation and the career run on different tracks. And what that sometimes leaves us with is we end up in a place where, where that career, uh, that sense of, of, Career and calling are, are like two different divergent directions, and it creates this tension within us that I'm not exactly where it is that I need to be. Uh, I, I know some folks right now that are struggling kind of with, well, you know, I, I have a, my career that puts food on the table, it pays the mortgage, it pays the bills, but I, I don't have the sense of fulfillment. I don't have the sense that this is what I am called to do. Uh, and, and that person, one person I'm thinking of at least, I mean, they could work the job they're working, but yet also find their spiritual fulfillment, their calling of, uh, or, or, or the fulfillment of their vocation uh, in uh, a volunteer sense in a local church or, or in a Christian ministry in some form. Sometimes career and vocation merge, sometimes they don't. Ultimately, we are called to fulfill not our career. We are called to fulfill the vocation into which God has called us. I hope this is making sense to you, that career, vocation, they are not the same thing. Uh, and uh, hopefully that you, you just you understand that vocation is, is the calling of life that God has given to you. You might be called to be a greeter. I mean, we, we need to have folks that, that would just warm, welcoming greeters that, that and that have a team of people that they work with to make sure people feel invited and included and and, and welcome and all those things. Now, I, I have to say this. Uh, I know that some of what we're getting into teaching-wise uh, might not be the most friendly or sound like the most friendly of, of stuff. Uh, but we're not going to back away from from the teaching that that we believe we absolutely need to give uh, from the Word of God. 
uh, culture and scripture are in collision with one another at times, and I know that. Uh, and some of what we're living with in culture right now. Uh, I thought about this yesterday, greeting some people as they were leaving the, the church. I, I greeted them on the way in and greeted them on the way out, and I thought, well, I don't know if they'll be back after today's message, uh, but we we taught the Scripture, uh, and, and it's a choice that we have to make. Will we follow the scripture and live a life worthy of the calling we've received, or will we muddy that stuff and water water down the teaching and water down our lives so as to be palatable to culture? Uh, I'm not saying that we should seek to be disdainful. I'm not saying that we should seek to um, put a bad taste in people's mouth. I, I do believe we need to live as salt. Sometimes salt brings a pleasant, brings out the flavor of things. Uh, sometimes salt, uh, you, you eat something and it's almost too salty, but it, it's, it's a part of the nature of, of whatever that, that food item might be. Uh, salt can, can both add flavor and salt can kind of be, that's a little salty. And, and uh, we're not going to shy away from the teaching uh, of the Word of God. The passage continues on, or or continuing to think through what the passage says, to, to live a life worthy of the calling, to think of being called by God as a follower of Christ. That you and I are called by called by God to, to live our lives in a way that that demonstrates the nature of uh, and the character of Christ to those around us. That's our calling. Uh, that's that's our responsibility. That is that is how we are to live. And um, do we live up to that all the time? Maybe not all the time, but I I it's my hope. It's my prayer. It, it's my thought for us that, that yes, we would live for Christ. Uh, that Christ would be evident in our lives, that we would live worthy of the one who has called us, the worthy of the one who who gave his life for us, that we would live worthy in that type of a way. Paul said again, just reading it as a prisoner, for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And for any of us to think through, well, where am I Where am I not living that life uh, worthy? Uh and there can be ways. It can be that God is calling us to something and we are ignoring it. It can be that we are throwing ourselves into blatantly sinful lifestyle and not living life worthy. It might be how we treat people. And the very next verse we're going to get into is deals with the subject, the theme of how we treat other people. Verse 1 said this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Live a life worthy. Just, just to go out today and to say, Lord, help me to live a life worthy. I, I don't know how to do it, uh, but how do, we, how do we live a worthy life? Show us, Lord, how to live a worthy life. Verse 2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, this, this can be difficult for us. Uh, do you find it really, really easy to, to be uh, humble and gentle with other people? Um, 
sometimes you go, oh, that, that doesn't come so hard. But but the idea of being humble and gentle, sometimes I can be harsh. It's an area I am asking the Lord continually, help me to be a gracious person, but to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient. And then it says, bearing with one another in love. I mean, this, this concept of bearing with one another in love, uh, as we read here, um, is to tolerate. I mean, it, it's the idea of tolerating. Let me look at the uh, New Living Translation. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I, I think that uh, here the New Living Translation helps us to understand the application of this, being patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Now, some people think they they don't have any faults. Uh, some people will never, ever, ever acknowledge their faults. Um, and they're, they're sometimes very challenging, difficult people to be around. But when we begin to think about making allowance for each other's faults, what might be a fault? Uh, a fault might be somebody who doesn't do things the way you would do them. Uh, learning to tolerate the fact that somebody sees it differently, somebody does it differently, uh, and uh, we have to learn how to be okay with that. Now, some of us are you know, pretty opinionated people when it comes to things. We just think we need to be able to tell people that you know you need to see it the way I see it. And there are areas where the Word of God says something clearly, absolutely, irrevocably, uh, plain, black and white. Okay, this is where we must stand. Uh, but there are a lot of things. Uh, here's one of the uh, classic modern-day uh, illustrations, how to put the toilet paper roll on the on the toilet paper holder. You know, do you put it so that so that it comes down the back or across the front, which which way's the right way? Now I know that's a silly little illustration, but in some households it's a big deal. I mean, it's like you've got to do this. There's only one way to do this, the correct way. Well, you know what, folks, there isn't a correct way to put the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. Now some of you right now are disagreeing with me about that point, but that is an illustration of the fact that there are lots of things in life that really don't make a hill of beans in the grand scheme of things. And yet we have a hard time bearing with each other because we see it differently. I believe this is an area where there's a lot of room for growth among most Christians um, to learn how to make each other. Not only not only that we see things differently, verse 2 says uh, for each other's faults. Uh, faults can be a way... Uh, let me come back. I, I, I looked away from the screen for a moment and looked at the comments, and then I lost my train of thought. But but to learn how to deal with the faults. I mean, some people, the way they approach things, they're, they're kind of pushy, they're kind of bossy, they're kind of nosy, they're kind of... Um, there can be any number of things that you might put in there. Uh, some people are very well-kempt. Uh, other people, not so much so. Uh, there are some people who eat loudly and others who uh, eat as quiet as a mouse. Uh, we can make a list of things that we see as faults in other people, uh, little annoyances. I mean, just think in your own household, things that are little annoyances about the way that things get done, the way that the uh, the dishwasher gets uh, loaded. 
I mean, that can be an issue. Uh, my wife and I no longer, we've never really fought over that, uh, but my wife has her way of doing it and I have my way of doing it. And along the way, sometimes uh, she would, uh, she would kind of redo my work and because I don't do it the same way. So it's a fault, my fault of not stacking the dishwasher and the way that she would stack the dishwasher. Uh, we learn to make allowances, learn to think, okay, no big deal. This is a small item. You know, why Why put somebody off? Why have an argument? Why, why diminish someone's sense of value just because they don't do something the way that I do it? This, friends, I, I mean, would you agree with me? That, that this is one of the harder verses to apply in our lives sometimes. Being humble, being gentle, uh, sometimes, and, and if you think of the places where we sometimes tend to be the least gentle, sometimes it's with the people whom we love the most. It's with the people whom we will spend the entirety of our lives with. And yet the people that we might only see once in our lives tend to be the people that we'll be gentle with and nice to, while the people who mean the most to us get get the rough side of us, and we need to flip that over. In fact, not only flip it over, but maybe try to eliminate this negative, uh, bitey side that we have to us. So verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Um, or because of the love that God has given you, or because of we are trying to live a life worthy of the calling we received. Verse 3 goes on and, and uses these words. Let me put this back in the NIV 84. Make occasional effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, if you happen to have your own Bible open, if you're looking at the screen at what I'm looking at, it doesn't say occasional. It doesn't say make occasional efforts to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Um, there is both very uh, personal application of this and then broader application among the churches of God. But it says literally to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Do all you can. Uh, Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, as far as depends on you, seek to live at peace with everyone. And that isn't always easy. Sometimes we we get rubbed the wrong way by somebody so much so that it's like, mm, no, no, no. But yet when we look at the word of God and we consider walking a life worthy of the calling that we've received, we understand the calling, the responsibility to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity. I mean, I know lots of Christians who will uh, downplay unity, and yet unity is a major teaching in the uh, uh, in the rhetoric of Paul. Uh, it, it is a major theme in the in the teaching and in the priestly prayer of Jesus in John seventeen that his people would be one. So, I mean, there is making application of this between husband and wife and between parents and children. Then there is making application of this with our neighbors, but this specifically is talking in the church, that in the church we would make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, let me throw us into the message paraphrase here for a moment, and let's read these three verses through the message. Uh, in light of 
All this, in light of all the great doctrinal truth we just considered, chapters 1 through 3, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. In other words, live out what it is that God has called you to do. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily. Now, fits doesn't mean like to have a fit like you're being a an angry little child. He doesn't mean fits, but but fits like stops and starts, stops and starts. That, that's what he means by fits and runs. Um, fits and starts. Uh, but do it steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. I mean, we're, we're to pour ourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Okay, so you note the differences. Uh but then you, you you do what you need to do to mend the fences. This is the calling. Let me just read down through verse 7. That's where I intend to stop today uh, while we're in the message. It says, you were called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is in pres- is present in all. Everything you are and think is to be permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of generosity, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has been given his own gift. Now, this is going to be a transitional verse into um, learning how to, to live out our gifts that God has given to us. Looking at this now in the NIV 84, just the idea that there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Notice an an operative word here in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, and to each one of us. Now, that that, that one perhaps is, is a different type of one. One meaning unified in, in verse 7, one is a different word meaning individual. But to each individual of us different word being used there, but but we would look at it and say, oh, there's the word one again, but it has a slightly different meaning. One body. Uh, so within the church, yes, we're, we're Veracity Chapel in Moral Maine. Uh, in the afternoons, Christ the King meets here. Uh, yes, two different congregations, but the reality is we are one body. Uh, you can throw into that uh, faith temple. Uh, you can throw into that Little River. Uh, you can throw into that Bayshore Baptist. You can throw into that Liberty Baptist. You can throw into that Calvary Chapel. Uh, the reality is God wants us to be one people because ultimately there is one body of Christ. There is only one spirit. The Holy Spirit 
uh, is not a different spirit, one church to the other. He is the same spirit. And then the one hope, we all share the same hope, the hope of heaven, uh, the hope of eternal life, the hope of the presence of God, the hope of the work of God, the hope of the fellowship of God. Uh, we, we all share this one hope. And so within a local assembly of believers, as we are here within our church, but then also among the assemblies, plural, of believers, to be reminded that there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. We have the same spirit. We have the same God. We have the same Father. We have the same hope. We have all of these things together, and so we learn how to be one among one another as Christians. Verse 7 uh, says this. He says, To each one of us grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Some perhaps needed more grace. Uh, and, and this is a segue into another section, which we'll deal with tomorrow. I'm not going to go further than verse 7. But to each one of us, I mean, to God, to you, God gave a certain measure of grace. Now, now perhaps God needed to be more gracious with me because maybe, you know, I, I was far more sinful. We're all sinful in some measure, but maybe I was far more sinful, so I needed more grace. Or... Sometimes it's the idea that, that God gives uh, to each of us a, uh, a, a different type of calling that requires a, a different measure of grace. You think of what, what the Apostle Paul did uh, in establishing the church all over uh, the Roman Empire, especially up through Turkey, across to Greece, then over to Italy. Uh, that, that seemed to be the place where Paul worked the most, the, the upper uh part of the Roman Empire in his day, um, Anatolia, Turkey, uh, Macedonia, Greece, uh, and then uh, Rome, which Italy, uh, Paul, where it took a, a, a great measure of grace for him to travel, a great measure of grace for him to endure the hardships that Paul had to uh, endure so that he could spread the gospel as he did. It required more grace. But yet, to understand, for you to understand that today God will give you grace sufficient for the day. He'll give you grace sufficient for whatever it is that you uh, that, that he asks you to do today. Uh, and what we need to learn how to do is to live in that grace. What we need to learn how to do is to live in that sense of vocation. What we need to learn to do is to... Uh, learn how to live with other people and demonstrate God's grace and God's love and God's patience uh, with others who maybe don't act the way we do, who don't talk the way we do, who don't think the way we do, whose theology might be a little bit different than ours. I, I really believe that the calling, especially in verse 2 and 3, to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, is the work which we must do. And uh, I, I, this is the challenge of the day, to live this way. Why? All because of the one Lord, because of the one Spirit, because of the one body, because of the one faith, because of the one baptism, because of the one God and Father of us all. We seek to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
Well, friends, uh, th this is a tall order for us. Uh, do you would you agree? Would you concur that this is a a big challenge to to live these things out in in life? Uh, it is. Uh, sometimes that might be living it out with your spouse. Sometimes this might mean uh, living this out with your kids. Sometimes it, it might mean living this out with somebody else in the life of the church. Um, your neighbor. Uh, any of these things, we need God's help. So, I I I, I conclude today. I, I talk today uh, about our need of just turning to God, seeking God, getting God's help for the abilities to live these things out. So, Lord, our prayer is help us to live out Your Word. Our prayer is that You would strengthen us. Our, our prayer is that You would guide us. Our prayer is that you would help us to understand the measure of grace you've given to us and to live that, that graciousness out with other people. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to be gentle. Help us to be understanding. Help us to be patient with one another. Help us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of Christ. And, and Lord, I, I pray that, that we don't just do this uh, in our homes. Uh, I pray that we do this in our church. I pray that we don't just do this within our local assembly here in Moral, Maine, but I pray you help us to do this among churches scattered around the globe, that we'd realize that we are one in the bond of love, that we are one in the spirit, uh, we are one in, in you, Lord, one baptism, one faith, one hope. Help us to do better at representing you to the world in the unity that we demonstrate among one another as believers. Lord, for those who uh, hurt today, we pray that you would uh, bind their wounds. Uh, for those that need provision, uh, Lord, that you would demonstrate uh, provision to them this week. Uh, Lord, some of us uh, are amply supplied and, and others uh, really struggle with, with the provision. Lord, uh, meet the needs of, of those who have those needs today. I know there are a couple in our listening family who uh, have needs of in varieties of ways. Lord, minister to their needs. And Lord, for what's happening in Europe, uh, we pray that you would end the war with Ukraine. We pray is some of the rhetoric is now ratcheted up to, oh, well, we want to get Alaska back. Uh, as some of that has been said. Uh, Lord, uh, just hear our prayer to end the war. Uh, perhaps you're doing something else, setting the stage. Lord, if, if, if you are doing something else, help us to be ready to, to see what you are doing uh, and to accept your will. Father, it is our prayer, giving you our day today. Help us to glorify you in all that we think, do, and say. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I'm going to get you off into your day. Have a fantastic day. We will see you again tomorrow morning.